We are currently in the second week of the Immerse Sermon Series, which we're going through the key components of Christian community development. We are a part of the CCDA Network, which stands for the Christian Community Development Association. Now, CCDA is a network comprised of churches, of Christians, and nonprofits who are committed to living out the eight key components in how we do life and ministry together. And in this sermon series, we are going through these components. And then on Wednesday evenings, we are gathering together again to go deeper into these eight key components that shape how we do life and ministry together. Last week, Pastor Keon shared about the component of relocation and considering our presence as we gather and interact with one another one another in life together. Now today we are going to be talking about the component of reconciliation. And here at Wellington Heights Community Church, one of our core values is reconciliation. We refer to reconciliation as a journey, and we love and admire Reverend Dr. Brenda Salter-McNeil's work in reconciliation and her definition of reconciliation, which she shares as an ongoing spiritual process involving forgiveness, repentance, and justice. Its goal is to transform broken relationships and systems so that they better reflect God's original intent for all of creation to flourish. This past Sunday, during Vision Sundays, we were able to share some of the distinctive markers on the journey of reconciliation that we find from Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Some of these distinctions that we shared was that reconciliation is a journey from old to new, and it's a journey rooted in God. Another distinctive marker on this journey is that it requires that we no longer regard others from a worldly point of view. And the last marker is that reconciliation is not just limited for a few, but it includes all who are in Christ. As the body of Christ, we play a significant role in this journey toward making all that is wrong right again. Working as God's community, the church, the body of Christ. It is the primary agent of the reconciliation process to the world. There is so much to impact about reconciliation that last fall we did a sermon series called Reconcile, Turning Toward God and One Another. I highly recommend that you check out our podcast and refresh and re-listen to this series just as a reminder of the depth of what reconciliation is. Now, just two weeks ago, as a nation, we honored, remembered, and committed to continue to stand with the families of those whose lives changed forever on September 11th, 2001. In the aftermath, we saw holy love put to action, people giving blood, writing checks, supporting one another in prayer and practical ways. I've heard many sentiments on going back to the unity that we witnessed on September 12, 2001. This unity people are sharing of what they experienced on September 12 seems like a dream and nearly impossible to work towards today. 
Now, as I continue to hear these sentiments both in person and seeing it on my social media feed, I began considering why this unity didn't last. And there are a lot of ways to answer that, but perhaps the lack of deep-rooted, long-lasting unity we experienced 20 years ago is that it depended on an enemy rather than on Christ. Unity around a common enemy does not grow roots to withstand the long and difficult journey of reconciliation. We briefly experienced this same unity again in March of 2020. And as again, we found this unity by uniting around the common enemy of COVID-19. We witnessed neighbors caring for one another despite differences, writing chalk messages on sidewalks, and picking up items from the store for one another to reduce exposure in a time of lockdown. We saw people placing hearts in their windows and supporting small businesses and sharing of their access to support others who are impacted by the pandemic. Now, unfortunately, this unity was also not long lasting. And just two short years, but long years later, our society around us has grown incredibly hostile around COVID-19. Instead of valuing respectful dialogue, loving our neighbors and considering another perspective, we have entrenched ourselves in an us versus them mentality. Now this type of mentality quickly names others as the enemy. Naming someone as an enemy can happen anywhere, in families, with coworkers, in neighborhoods, and even in our churches. Consider this, you are part of a group that gathers weekly for prayer and Bible study. Now this group is composed of people of all different backgrounds. Now after this group begins, we there's talking about immigration and you and I are defending opposite perspectives. And I'm beginning to not like you very much. I even start to avoid you before and after Bible study and add any negative interactions I have with you in my arsenal against you. In an arsenal that I didn't even realize I was actually accumulating. Perhaps what happened below my consciousness is that you became a threat to my perspective, my values, and my convictions. Or maybe I just didn't quite understand your communication style or your lived experience. So you have become an other. And without realizing it, I have diminished you from a complex human being, loved by God, to someone who is simple enough to fit in a box with a label and push aside. The circles or the groups that we are part of often give us permission to dismiss and diminish those the group names as the enemy or the other. And we see all of this happening while we are together singing hymns like they will know we are Christians by our love. The sacred scriptures do not give me or you permission to diminish anyone. One of the most distinctive things about Christian love is that it is commanded. The scriptures say this, you have heard that it was said, 
You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's always easy to love people that we like and disagree with. But loving one another at the family dinner table or the neighborhood association meetings or on a team where we disagree or don't prefer one another is difficult. It's much easier to gather up this commandment to love and take it to those who are easy for us to love. I imagine some of us would not use a strong word like enemy when talking about relatives, neighbors, or others in our faith community. The word enemy is startling, isn't it? It gets our attention, but it helps us to look at something that we may overlook. Now, this is important because until we recognize how quickly we name someone or groups of people as the other or the enemy, we won't be able to live into our commandment to love one another. Now, I love the Aramaic word that we translate to as enemy because it gives illumination into a deeper understanding of what it means. Now, the word enemy can also be translated as someone with whom we are out of step. Now, this definition has helped me bring clarity to whom we may diminish, dismiss, and name as the enemy. Maybe we don't prefer their demeanor or personality or agree with lifestyle choices or political affiliation or cultural norms or theological beliefs. We quickly name these folks as the other and are quite possibly so used to everyone else around us also diminishing these people that we have become numb to how we have named them as the enemy. Reconciliation is a spiritual journey that requires inner work, a renewing of our mind and our heart. Honesty about how quickly we are to name someone as enemy. It also requires outer work of reconciliation and peacemaking that may take place in forms of listening, acts of mercy and justice, along with personal sacrifice. There is no more familiar passage in all of scripture than John 3, 16. I've seen it on billboards and bumper stickers. I've seen it sewn into throw pillows and even imprinted on the in and out fast food cups. John 3, 16 is often understood as a ticket to heaven or the short formula for salvation. But as we look deeper into this passage, it is a foundational scripture principle for reconciliation. Embedded in the verse is a story of sacrificial love, a story of a parent who gave up a child. Pastor Kian and I are parents to two young sons. Even with all the energy, challenges, sleepless nights, and the sibling fights, nothing matches the gift of a life placed in our hands to nurture and love. As a mother, I find it incomprehensible that God, as a parent, gave up this most precious gift to give us the precious gift of reconciliation. Reconciliation with God, 
with ourselves, with others, and all of God's good creation. As Pastor Keon and I have been in the trenches of the work of reconciliation for over a decade, in the midst of our divided world, we expected and could deal with a threat against ourselves. But could we face a threat to our children? What type of work or lifestyle could possibly be worth this? Think about it. Is pursuing reconciliation worth the life or well-being of our children? Is there anything so important to you that you would give up your child to achieve it? For some of us, we may resonate with the artist Jaw Rule and his song, Only Begotten Son. The song uses the biblical language of John 3.16 to express the pain and the anger of being abandoned by an earthly parent. In his song, he laments his father who so feared the world that he left his son to show that pain is love. Jarul vulnerably shares that in this story with his earthly father, there is no reunion, no redemption, and no sacrificial love. After hearing this song, it's easy to name Jarul's father as an enemy, isn't it? It can be difficult to hold both the pain Ja Rule shares of his absent father, along with seeing and recognizing his father as a complex human being. Each and every one of us is quite capable of doing harmful sorts of things, and sometimes we do, don't we? After all, who among us has done what we should have not have done, or left undone what we should have done? Who has not, from time to time, denied God's goodness in others, in ourselves, or in the world around us? Our loving God seeks to forgive. God seeks to repair the hurt and not inflict pain on another. God's love shows us that restorative justice is a priority. God's love is not static or self-centered. It's sacrificial. It reaches out and draws other in. Here in this verse, John 3:16, God sets the pattern of love, the basis of all relationships. When you love someone, you are willing to give of yourself freely to the point of sacrifice. Now, I can understand sacrifice for my family or my close friends. I would not hesitate to endanger my life if it meant saving the life of one of my children or my husband or other loved ones. Now, I'll occasionally sacrifice and cheer for the Broncos or Iowa State out of love for my husband. And I, like many of you, understand the sacrifices of being a parent. The sacrifice of sleep and sometimes my sanity. However, to love sacrificially for an enemy or someone that I'm out of step with is much more difficult. John 3.16 helps me to understand the foundational principle of reconciliation as the willingness to demonstrate Christ's sacrificial love to those whom I love, along with those whom I find more challenging. 
It's important to note that God's sacrificial love is not condoning situations that don't show mutual love, respect, and care. It is not implying for us to stay and participate in abusive, manipulative, or toxic environments and relationships. Now, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him. May this be an aha moment for all of us. Whoever believes illuminates for us that God's table is not private, exclusive table or party. We are all invited to God's table, including all of the people that you or I do not want to be there. Over and over, I am challenged again to love more deeply. I must choose to love when it's easier to diminish or label or dare I say hate or deeply dislike someone. My teacher, Jesus, says this, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. It is important to note that this is only possible through the immeasurable, immeasurable love and grace of God. God's love sustains life and is the very essence of God's nature, the God who seeks reconciliation through sacrificial love. It's so much easier to choose comfort and self-focus rather than a long, difficult journey of reconciliation. It's so much easier to argue self-righteously over issues than to listen, to honor, and to love. Now, this is not saying that we don't speak the necessary truth and stand up for justice and peace, but simply recognizing that it's often our tendency to diminish and dismiss each other as enemies. God has positioned Pastor Kian and I to often work with and between enemies or opposing parties. It takes prayer, attunement to God's spirit to navigate these spaces. These relationships and situation cause us to reconsider two seemingly contradictory biblical image, images of enemies found in the Bible the cries to God to crush the enemies, and the call to love our enemies. The Bible provides such important resources for reconciliation. It offers both the honest cries of humans and the gentle and persistent call of Christ, whose life and ministry provided us a path to love one another including our enemies. We all flourish when we put love into action. And love as this passage demonstrates for us. I must be willing to sacrifice and put love into action in both big and small ways. That may look like giving up my comfort, my routine, my security, my preferred agenda, my resources, my self-righteousness, and my feelings of superiority. In scripture, we see Jesus share with the disciples the truth of what it means to be the Messiah, the truth 
of what it means to be is that he hasn't come to seek power, to raise an army and defeat the Roman occupiers. Rather, Jesus has come to serve and sacrifice himself in the name of love. Those who follow him must also live lives of sacrifice and service and be willing to pick up our crosses and follow Jesus in the name of love. The good news of Jesus propels me forward each day. We are all at our best when we are too willing to sacrifice for one another and to love one another almost as much as we love ourselves. When we see the power of the holy love work in the world, we remember that God's love is a power much greater than anything that hatred or violence can achieve. As we enter into the journey of reconciliation, we have to keep our feet on the ground, staying connected to the current realities and divisions. But we also need to have prophetic eyes and imaginations to live out and into a new reality of God's vision of shalom or peace. I love the First Nations translation of John 3.16. It shares this. For the great spirit loves this world of human beings so deeply, he gave us his son, the only son who fully represents him. All who trust in him and his way will not come to a bad end, but will have the life of the world to come that never fades away, full of beauty and harmony. So together, let us enter into this journey of reconciliation, rooted in the life-giving and sacrificial love of God, which is our true source of hope and strength. Let's remind one another that we are a covenant community. We are bound together. Some may say we are sacramentally tied together. At Wellington Heights Community Church, we practice the sacraments of baptism and communion, which are part of the unifying forces of the global church. Let's press into the not-yetness of God's kingdom in the midst of the now. Let's bear witness of the truth of the gospel in ways that are actually sacrificial and lead towards just and right relationships which leads to the flourishing of all. Let us continue to partner with God to bring about glimpses of beauty and harmony happening right now within all of God's good creation. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Remember to turn on your notifications to be the first to listen to future episodes. Also, be sure to like and share this podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are relying upon the benevolent gifts of donors to continue our ministry in an urban setting. So if you are compelled to give, please give a gift at donorbox.org backslash WHCC. Hey, thank you and be blessed.